There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who have a list of their favorite songs of all time, and those who don't. Which one are you? Umber Magazine founder Mike Nichols sits firmly in the former category, and he's here to boldly declare his top five all-time faves. Hey everyone, you're listening to Select 5, a series where culture creators from the Bay Area and beyond talk to me about five songs that mean something to them, and probably to you too. I'm your host, Pam Torno, and every episode of Select 5 is recorded in Bar Shiru, located in Oakland, California, the Bay Area's first high-five vinyl bar, because the acoustics are fabulous. Our guest selector today is Mike Nichols. Mike is an artist, graphic designer, and the founder of Umber Magazine, an Oakland-based graphic journal that focuses on creative culture and visual arts from the perspective of black and brown people. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Umber Magazine. Uh, So you launched this in 2017. Yes. Okay. But it was a long journey for you. You've had this idea for a long time. Yeah, I had this idea since... Uh, 2006, and I was living in, I'm in Philly at the time, and I had this small one-bedroom apartment, and um, I've been a fan of magazines ever since I was a kid in high school. What are the magazines that you were really into? um, The first one I remember is like Word Up, Right On, Jet, um, Ebony, Essence, not so much, but the ones that I actually started to buy, buy, was The Source. The Source magazine, Uh like the one... Cycle World, because I was into motorcycles. Then in senior year in high school, 1993, um, this magazine came out called Vibe. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Listen, it, for one, I knew it was different from The Source or Ebony or any any of the magazines I read before. Because one, it was a big format magazine. And I remember seeing black and white photos in the magazine. And it didn't look old. It just looked artistic. And um, the cover that that resonated with me the most is the cover with Snoop Dogg. And on the cover, it said, Bow Wow Wow, really big. I'm like, okay, yeah. And so then at that point, I knew I was going to be an artist, some some type of artist. And then um, in school, this guy came to my art school in high school, and he was talking about graphic design, graphic illustrator. I'm like, I I think I've been doing it my whole life because I've been drawing ever since I was a kid. Um, And then I went to school for illustration first. And then after I graduated with an associate degree in Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta at the time. In Atlanta, it was hard to find it. Back then, it was hard to find a job as um, as an illustrator. Either you worked at a magazine or a newspaper or you freelance. And people who worked at magazines or newspapers did not leave their jobs. Mm-hmm. One guy, he was there for like 15 years. He worked at his newspaper. So, I, okay, all right, I need to go back to school for graphic design. So you can start your own. There you go. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so then I moved, then in 97, I moved to Chicago and I focused on graphic design at that point. So this is a print only magazine. Yes. Yes. Um, and aesthetically it's all earth tones, black Mm -hmm. and brown inks. And even the name kind of reinforces your theme. Yep. You want to talk about what, how you came up with the name? Yeah. So, um, umber is actually short for, um, a pigment that what the painters use called burnt umber, raw umber, raw sienna. I remember those as Crayola colors too, yeah. raw sienna and yep. burnt, um, uh, burnt umber. Yeah, yes. And so, um, so, so that was one of the things to where um, I wanted to have something that is representative of me as a person because I'm brown um, and to me as, a, as an artist. And so what happened is um, um, 
I looked up the name and I, it means brown pigment from the earth. It's like, that was it. It just made so much sense. Like, okay, I'm done. That's yeah. the name. That's the name I of mean, the magazine. It's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but let's talk about how you decided that this was going to be, uh, you know, especially, and maybe this is a question that gets old at this point, mm-hmm. but like in the digital age, <laughs> when you could be publishing online, uh, you decided to stick with print. Yeah. Um, so I moved to the Bay Area from, from Philly. I first lived in San Jose. And I still had the idea I had him back in Philly. And this was 07, I moved to, to California. And so I was in San Jose and then 08 happened. Um, so I was like, okay, I need to get a job. And so, but I'm still having that idea of Umber in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I try to learn more web stuff and UX design and user experience. And it's like, you know what, this is not, this isn't me, right? So how can I show up as my... Um, authentic self in the Bay Area. Oh, do a print magazine. Right. And so because I always see I see print as a as a as an art form, mm-hmm. um, as a as a medium. And similar to vinyl to where um I always say that <clears throat> with vinyl the music is embedded right inside of the medium. Mm-hmm. Like right in the, the vinyl plastic. And with print, the art is embedded right inside of the paper. So it's the same same premise. Um, in 2012 I did a prototype of Umber. Printed out like a hundred of them, um, just to get a feel. Okay, the idea I had in 06, is it really going to work? Or is it going to resonate in the Bay Area? Mm-hmm. And so I just gave it to a bunch of friends at that point. And so then, you know, people seem to like it. Fast forward, 2016, this dude got an office in the in the White House where I work. And I was like, you know what? So what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do to kind of to go against this? You know what I'm saying? And I think the best way to do that is to do something that you're you're passionate about. I'm passionate about print. And um, I had this idea of Umber X amount of years ago. It's time to do Umber. So this is your passion, but obviously you have to have a team around yes. you, right? Like you, yes. uh, I, I, This is obviously an independently run mm-hmm. operation, but you're not doing it all yourself. No, of course not. One of the things that is beautiful about Oakland, so I moved to Oakland in 08. Uh, I was in San Jose, wasn't really like feeling it because it really it wasn't really inviting. And I think I always say this is no shots of San Jose or whatever. But if you're if you're not in tech and you don't have family there, mm-hmm. it's really hard to be there. Yeah, because they don't say, "Hey, come on, Mike, let's go party, let's go do something, let's go do whatever." Right. And so then I moved to Oakland, sort of randomly because I went to this this dance party. And they're playing house music. Oh, house music in Oakland? In <laughs> Philly, that's what it all that's that was my life in Philly. Yeah. In Philly and Chicago, just house music. Yeah. Right. So to come here and dance to okay, I'm moving to Oakland. So I literally moved to Oakland because of this dance party I went to in 08. And so so what happened is that I was building community very instantly. Like very like as soon as I'm here, yeah. like just meet people and you know, we vibe. And it's like after a while, like I realized that I have a community here. And so when I decided to launch Umbra, I was like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is like put all of my, my dope friends in the magazine, my friends that I've built, you know, relationships with, you know, for those four years of Oakland, they became a part of Umber. And so one friend was my campaign manager. Her name is Nina Soul. She's a DJ here. Yeah. Naima, she's a singer who, who's based here too. She was helping out. And Kaisha, like all these people just like started lending their support for the magazine. Yeah, yeah. 
So, and at every issue, um, you've had, you have three issues right now. Yes. Um, and it's biannual. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's the goal. The goal is biannual. The goal is I think biannual. that's achievable. Yes. Um, yes. So every issue has a theme. Yes. Um, and uh, you have a sound issue. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with that theme? So um, sound for me is really important. Like it's it's integral for me. Um, and so when I was younger, I actually stutter a lot. And so um, and because of that, because of me stuttering and having problems, like you know, to speak for myself or even just to talk, I would listen to other sounds. Whether it's music, poetry, movie, cinema, w whatever else that gives me a break from actually having to speak, that's what I do. And also, too, being an artist was allow me to kind of um, to have a, a voice without really having to use my voice. And so, sound just became very, very integral. And so, and I've been a fan of music since I can remember. So, as I got older, my um, my taste for music became just around sound, not so much just a rhythm or a beat, right? And so, um, so I want to have a an issue, a theme that kind of reflects all aspects of sound. And so, um, not what, just music, not just music. There's so much happens with sound that is beyond music. I think like music is just is really um, uh, reinterpreting sound that they that is here, like it, like like it's mimicking a voice, right? Mm -hmm. a, a guitar is played to like sound like a voice, and so. Um, um, so I think that's why I want to make it a sound issue versus just music. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. But let's talk about music, though, because that's, yes. that's what we came to do. Yes, um, yes. Okay. So what's interesting about this is that when I first talked to you mm -hmm. and I said, I have this podcast, would you like to guest on it? You just have to pick five songs you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. You instantly knew what you wanted to talk about. And you yes. said, yes, yes, I want to talk about my favorite songs of all time. Yes. And I was like, wow, yes. that's pretty bold. Yes. Um, not that it's, a, I mean, like having a top five of anything, if you're any kind of nerd about anything, you have top five movies, top five books, top five albums, top five songs. Um, and I think that there's, I, I mean, I really meant what I said, where I feel like there's two categories of people because I have never been able to settle on a top five, mm. um, as much of a, a, a nerd as I am. I yeah. just, I, I just can't do it. I, it's choosing children and I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about top fives for me. It should be personal. Mm -hmm. It should be something like, even if it's a top selling record, Whatever, right? It should be something where it's like it's a personal top five. Not saying that this is the definitive, you know, top fifty songs. This is it's not about that. It's about like some. I think in some cases that it kind of tells you your taste, like your personality. Oh yeah, right. I you mean, they're, these are like the building blocks of our identity, I guess, yes. in a way. Yes. Which is why I have a hard time saying it's the it's these are the five. Mm. Well, it, it could be a living document. I mean, I'm pretty secure with you know, what I have. Um, but I think because new music is always happening. Yeah. And you're right? always listening to new stuff and your tastes are evolving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's go over your top five now. And then 10 years from now, we'll, we'll do this again and we'll see if they're the same songs. Right. 
That was Marvin Gaye's Come Live With Me Angel from his 1976 album, I Want You. Um, That album was kind of a departure from Mm. his Motown sound. That's definitely what we call a baby-making album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Why is this in your top five? So I was a fan of Marvin Gaye. I mean, not really a big fan, but like I liked his music, right? And for whatever reason, the music that resonated most with me is this era of Marvin Gaye, maybe because it's older, maybe because I, I was born in 75. So I was like one year, I guess a year old when it came out. Um, but something about this had, had like an edge to it. And um, the reason why this song is a part of my top five is be- actually because the whole album is, yeah. a, is a concept, is a, is a concept album. It's a theme album. The yeah. whole is the, whatever, I don't know the terms for music, whatever, but the arrangements are all like the same note or the same thing it just kind of re interpolates for every song yeah and so and this one this particular song is like the rhythm the drums lord have mercy like just the everything about it is so just like it's there's a narrative that's happening yeah um with it and so it's almost like okay hey we're dancing we're having a good time wherever but you need to come home with me tonight and so we come with the angel like just the way the pacing the space the chanting, the little, the 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 innuendos of the sound of people. It's not even innuendo. It's pretty explicit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can hear is, the. Yeah. She's making some noises. Yes, yeah, she background. is making some noises. Yeah. But just in in the and to give the broader context as me as a personality, like I'm a hopeless romantic. That's just what I am, right? And so and a lot of times, even now, not so much now, but but definitely when I was younger, I would base my relationships off of R and B songs. Oh, so okay. whatever they're talking about, oh, I want to have that experience. And so um, just the very, just like, just being kind of, it's kind of hip hop in a way to where it's like, you're just being, you're just letting people know this is what's going to happen. Yeah, right? you know it's a saying? mood. It's, yes. Well, so I actually wanted to talk about you because you said that you really love this whole album. Yes. Which I do too. Yes. Um, and I specifically wanted you to add, uh to talk about the cover art because that's very famous, right? Yes. The cover, the cover painting. Yes. The painting called the Sugar Shack. Yep. Um, who uh, it was painted by an artist who used to be an NFL star, which I didn't wow. know. But um, you know, you're an artist. Did you did you gravitate towards that album? Mm. You think partially because of that, or well, partly partly because of good times, right? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Uh, cause, it's the same yeah, painting. Yes, yeah, yeah. so Ernie Barnes. So anytime JJ the character was painting, he was really using his artwork. Yeah. And so that scene, I'm telling you, is the the song that song "Come with Me, Angel" starts on that scene. I literally see him going to the shack. Everybody's dancing and sweaty, and everybody's feeling themselves. Wherever, then you find that one person that you really, really are, are vibing with, and you, you know, you have a connection, and then you say, "Okay, we should continue this." <laughs> Someplace else. Yeah, so, no, I, I I can see it in my mind's eye too. Like when I hear that song, I'm I'm seeing the painting. Yes, I'm seeing the, yes, yes. The, the, the exact scene that's in that painting. Yep, that's yep. awesome. All right, so seduction songs. Mm. Let's go to song number two. <laughs> Right, that was Groove Me by Guy from yes. the 1988 self-titled debut. Yes. Uh, you're a big fan of New Jack Swing? Oh, my gosh. Listen. Listen. So what? what is 1988, 1988 Mike? What, what's going oh, on? Oh, man. 
Um, so this is when I'm shifting out of hip hop culture a little bit. 88 is when the shift we're starting to be like, oh, where hip hop isn't a co- isn't the thing that you do. You just like the music, right? And so I was I did breakdance and I had the whole tracksuits, all of that, right? But this is when R B became more important for me. And with Teddy Riley, even if you think about that beat, like he's sampling James Brown in there, like the mm-hmm. sample that everybody always uses, like just the the bass and the keys and the like it just it just has this oh my gosh man yeah it's so, like a hip hop rhythm but with R and B yeah vocals. there you go yeah. there you go and so once yeah. again it's, it's tracing back to his roots um, as being a hip hop producer so pristine so simple so you know hard you know what I'm saying yeah. like it's a, it's a hard it's a it's a hard beat right but just the like you said with the the R and B notes on top of it but it's straight it's it's straight hip hop. Yeah. It is so hip hop. But this is when my, as a person, shifting from a hip hop rap culture to like, oh, now this is R&B is like what you like as a teenager. You know, R&B is about, oh, about relationships. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the whole phrasing around that. And so just that song, like if I hear that song, I'm, if I'm dancing, like it's, it's a rap. Just call it a day. Like it's it's, it's over. All right. So uh, speaking of shifts into hip hop, let's get into your third song. That was In the Ghetto by Eric B. and Rakim from their third album, 1990s, and Let the Rhythm Hit Him. What's going on with you with this song? Oh, man. I'm getting chill, but I'm thinking about it. Um, so the first line he said, Planet Earth was my place of birth, born to be the sole controller of the universe. Who starts off a song like that in that time? Like you're transcending space and time and parallel universes and but you still grounded off in like planet earth was on place of birth born to be the, oh god am i so quick story when that song came out um i remember that um too short from the bay area had a song too called the ghetto mm-hmm. came out around the sa- almost the same time i remember seeing the videos for, for both they were playing back to back and this is when i knew my taste for music was like different or t- taste in rap music was different there's only one rule in the real world and that's to take care of you only you and yours keep dealing with the hard times day after day might deal me some dope but then crime don't pay black man trying to break in my house again thought he got off the dope doing time in the pen even though my brothers do me just like that i get a lot of love so i'm giving it back to the ghetto. i would hear this song by too short now we hear the song by arab and rakim i'm like I like this one better. You like, does that mean that you like East Coast better than West Coast or what do you? That part, probably so, but just, but once again, it was more artistic. It was more expressive. It was more nuanced, more creative than like the story from, from Too Short. Um, both talking about the same concert, wherever, but, but Rakim is going someplace else with it, right? So yeah, I'm here, but I'm really here for a bigger purpose than just to be in the ghetto. You know, I'm here for like a bigger, global galactic you know mission <laughs> of sorts and so that the beat the rhythm the lyrics so were you maturing a little because 
at that point, this is, I mean, this is not, a, this is not a seduction song. Yeah, no. You're not thinking about being in the club. You were getting a little bit more serious and more mature. Well, I think too, I, I mean, I'm still a hip hop. I'm still, I am hip hop. Let me just say that for like, that's just what I am. And so, um, I would never leave that alone. Right. So I think I grew up with R&B music and gospel just in terms of what my mom played. My heart, my rhythm is hip hop. Right. And so me liking Guy was more just like, oh, that's just the 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 wanting to be in the club to dance, really. But everywhere I can, whatever that went into my my psyche just as um, a creative, just a thinker. Like Arabian Rockin's music is thinking music, and that album by itself is like just amazing. A lot of times, my favorites is a small piece of the bigger picture of the full album. All right, we're gonna move forward about a decade and mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. The love below. She stays alone. Never sheds a single tear. She stays. All right, that was She Lives in My Lap from uh, Outcast 2003 double album, Speaker Box, and The Love Below. That's obviously Andre 3000. I don't yes. even need to. Some of these songs, I'm like, why am I introing? Everyone knows this song. <laughs> What's your connection to this song? So if you listen to that song, it's very similar to Come Live With Me, Angel. Sonically similar. Sonically. Okay. Like, because, yeah, I mean, lyrically, there's something else going on there, Yeah, obviously. there's something else going on. But but it's sort of still within the same seduction-y, you know, thing, right? And so, um, so once again, for me, it's about the production. Mm-hmm. The production of that song is like it's fast, but it's slow at the same time. Um, like the beats, like it just and the bass line, oh my gosh, man. The bass line. I love the sense on that song. It just every everything about the song is is perfect, right? And so now going back to the hopeless romantic me. Uh, I have this thing about relationships that's always this ongoing conversation narrative that just always weaves in and out. And so this one's like, it's almost like in a, it becomes very almost like, uh, like cyberpunk <laughs> kind oh. of feel to it. Very just like in the future, this is, you know, he just seems very like, this is the type of R&B music that if you want to keep it rooted in R&B, but be in the future, this is what it would be like. Yeah, it is very futuristic sounding. Yeah. And so it's almost like if... If, you know, 50 years from now, somebody wants to do music that is inspired by Marvin Gaye and but still have a, have a, a rooted old school sound, that would be the song. She lives in my lap, whatever. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great song. All it right. really is. We're going to get to the very last song on your list. You say you like to dance. Yes. That was Wham, Everything She Wants. Uh, and chill Bumps. I got little, little, if this is, I got chill Bumps right now. I don't know if, it, if if anyone listening is too young to know this from 1984's album, Make It Big, yes. which was huge, huge. There were so many hits off of this album. It was a huge part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting about this song is that it's not one that I, I didn't, I never disliked it, but it wasn't the one that I gravitated to. 
Because I really like the stuff, the other songs off that album that kind of emulate the Motown sound. Mm. But this one is very different. Okay, so um, this is one of those things where I remembered the melody or hook without really knowing what the song was. Like just as a kid, I just remember as I was older, oh, I remember that song. Ah, ah, ah. I don't know what that song is, but yeah. I just remember that part. Dun, 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 dun. That's the only thing I remember, right? So once again, fast forward, I'm older now, you know, um, and I can't remember when I got reintroduced to the song, but I remember as a kid really loving that song. And really, I was a fan of George Michael back then. Mm-hmm. Not every song that they did. Um, I didn't really know a lot about that album. I just remember that song because it probably played on the radio. I mean, videos, MTV on, yeah. all the time. So maybe... 20, 15 years ago, I reheard the song. Like, wait a second, this I remember the song when I was a kid. Then I just listened to the song, listened to the production, the storytelling, the production. You know, the production of that song is incredible. Every there's there's no space for there. Everything has is put in every single space. There's yeah. no like there's no empty spaces, but it's like. Do, do, do. Like it just so many different elements yeah, are happening. So many fills, yes. like really important fills in there. going back to relationships again <laughs> yeah this is a very bad relationship yeah, in this it song. is it very is bad. it is um it's a, an amazing song and the testament to, to george michael and that whole era he had even after wham right? oh yeah and his so, solo career is great i i mean he's one of those artists that i didn't really know how much i appreciated mm. until he died So that was the last song on your list. Let me just ask you one thing. What do you think these five songs say about you? Hmm. I'm a thinker. I love to dance. And the concept of relationships, is, I guess, is has a takes up a lot of, of, of space in my head. Um, oh, you're not the only one. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a common yeah. topic of many, yeah. many pop songs. So, um, And I think I'm sort of um nostalgic yeah very just like you know none of these are even if they're newer they're still reminiscent of something older whether it's a sample whether it's a reinterpretation of something like i'm very like old school in that sense all of these uh songs um resonate with me outside of just it being a musical thing or even like you know uh nostalgia but it just resonates with the um with the the vision i have um and the way i see myself or the way i would like to see myself so my closing question to you and to all my guests Mm -hmm. what's important to you right now i mean one of the things that i guess is very 
trending right now is people talk about diversity and inclusion and all that stuff. And um, and the, one of the main reasons why, even when I decided to do Umber, it wasn't around, I came with this idea, it wasn't based around diversity and inclusion. It's like, I just want to just do this thing, right? And so I think what's important for me right now is making sure that the narrative um, that we are talking about is authentic. You know, it's coming from the source um, and getting trying to get every opportunity to tell your own story. Um, that's to me is, I think, the most important because at this point, everything we're doing is being archived, right? Somewhere in the universe, somewhere on the, on the interwebs, it's being archived, right? And so in the future, people are going to go back and listen to this thing and say, oh, wow, this, they're going to have a narrative of what, you know, um, what's happening now, almost like a, like a time capsule. And so, um, I don't know, I just want to make sure that, you know, the, the narratives are coming from the, the people who it's about, uh, who it's of. And so that for me, it's like, it's about just, and I think that's the term, people say narratives a lot right now. Yeah. Narratives like the word. Um, <laughs> so it's still, I wonder if everybody knows what it means or it means different for different people, but making sure that, you know, what's important for me right now is just is the narratives need to come from the source and we need to, to fight for it to make sure that people hear our thoughts versus somebody else reinterpreting our thoughts. Because they're going to do that anyway in the future, right? So at least they can re- reinterpret it based upon the source material versus like somebody else's interpretation of the source material. So, Mike Nichols, artist, graphic designer, founder of Umber Magazine. You can find out more about Umber Magazine at umbermagazine.net. Is that right? Yep. You cannot read it online, but you can go there to find out where to buy it or you can order a copy. Yep. Uh, Any other uh, social medias you want to plug? Um, Well, just Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Facebook, and Twitter (laughs) at Umber Magazine. That's it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, now is the time on Select 5 when we turn to our supreme selector, Barshiru's musical director and my very good friend, Daniel Gar. He's got a few albums on his mind, and he's here to share them. Dan, tell us what scorchers are on the sound system these days. Scorchers, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so first record I'd like to talk about is uh, Ill-Considered 8. Yes. Uh, I know you're a fan of these guys. I am. Um, Ill-Considered... Four musicians from the UK, Idris Rahman on saxophone, uh, Leon Burchard on electric bass, Emre. He emailed me, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, because they self-release. Yes. So I, I ordered the album online. It didn't come. I emailed. He emails me back and says, yeah, we'll send you a new one. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, the uh, last track on this record uh, is called something like... Um, Sorry, your parcel didn't arrive. <laughs> I think they oh, get. No! I think they get a lot of that. I think they do. Uh, but yeah, Emre Ramazad Naglu on drums and Satin Singh on percussion. Um, this is just like music that I, when I think of it, I think of this as music that's on another level. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's fully improvised. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, they're just um, composing on the fly. Are they and the, and they record it all a lot. The, and I think that that probably explains how they've had like this is eight album number eight in the past two years. Yes, they they put out the first one in 2016. So, and each one has just been 
the, the next uh, numerical number. So yeah, this is number eight and they are, as you said, all improvised, which is just like kind of crazy. Um, but I, I think, I think it's insane. like this spontaneity and energy is the point of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really achieve that feeling by doing 20 takes and no. piecing it together. Uh, so I think that that's why all of these records and um, this one being the latest is just like you get this raw energy uh, and this spirit and sound that I think is really unique. Um, and to me, I mean, obviously, groups like this that are improvisational at their core, it is dependent on all four members. Mm-hmm. But to me, Idris Rahman really stands out on these recordings. Like yeah. his, his tenor playing is... But that rhythm section, though. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can't really go wrong. So, again, it's like the the sum is greater than the parts yeah, for sure, sure. But... Um, yeah, I, I always tend to, tend to gravitate towards um, Rockmon's playing. All right, so what's your favorite track on Ill-Considered 8? My favorite track on Ill-Considered 8 is the first track, Covertly. just a great opening track it kind of leans more towards like the spiritual jazz end of their sound Mm -hmm. and less kind of of that like punk metal wildness um yeah i I feel like that the those two sounds are kind of contained on one side is more punkish and metalish and the other is i guess more spiritual as you say yeah yeah i think so and this this kind of like a lot of their work kind of straddles that world, but like I said, kind of leans more into the spiritual and, you know, it's anchored by the rhythm, rhythm section, mm-hmm. super funky baseline. And then Idris Rachman for the first half of the track sends his uh, saxophone through like a mountain of delay and reverb, which is just, I, I love That's that. That's your thing. I, You're I, into yeah, that. I do love that. I do love heavily affected tenor saxophone yeah i don't know why just sounds really good to me uh but yeah it's just um it's a great opening track and it really sets the tone for the rest of the record so all right covertly Album number two. All right, you're going to like this one. Um, This is one of my favorite records of all time. Uh, Herbie Hancock, Thrust. Yeah. There's a lot to say about this record. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, to me, it's the kind of pinnacle and like, it's like the pinnacle and to my ears, the best example of quote unquote fusion. Yeah. Like electric instruments funk influences but rooted in jazz and jazz composition yeah and this one is actually this is the album that follows headhunters so this one came out in 1974 but headhunters is obviously the one that that's always 
thought of as kind of like the pinnacle of uh, Herbie Hancock's fusion mm-hmm. phase. But to me, I, I just love Thrust. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Headhunters too, but Thrust, I just, that one edges out for me. Yeah, agreed. And so this is Herbie on keys and synths, Paul Jackson on bass. Yeah, no fewer than like six kinds of synths, I think. <laughs> oh, for yeah, Herbie yeah. The list of synths he plays is awesome. Four different ARPs, I think. Uh, Benny Maupin on all the reeds, uh, Mike Clark on drums, and then Bill Summers on percussion. And a lot to get, a lot to talk about here because not only is this record incredible and just like the musically incredible, but it was recorded in San Francisco. It was, and, and, uh, Paul, Mike and Bill are all from Oakland. Oh, I didn't know that. So this is like a very Bay area record, which I think is really cool. That is Um, cool. So yeah, they recorded this over at Wally Hyder studios in San Francisco, which is now Hyde street studios. Okay. Uh, and that's also where they recorded headhunters. Oh, um, so yeah, I just love that this this sound is uh, – I, I love that this sound came out of the Bay Area in 1974. And, and I think what the three guys from Oakland brought to it was that sense of what was happening in Oakland and Oakland funk. Yeah. You know, like Sly and Tower Power mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff clearly had an impact on what they brought to the conversation with Herbie. So yeah, what's your fire track on this? I I always come back to Palm Grease. It's just one of those that just like it's just such a burner. It's t- it's ten minutes, and I also love at the very end. It's like the last two minutes. There's a total shift thematically and uh, from a key and tempo perspective, and it just goes into this like ethereal zone that like isn't at all like the eight minutes of just like straight up funk that come before it. Yeah, it doesn't end where you expect. No, it doesn't. And and I love that because it because then that kind of leads perfectly into actual proof, which is it you know, this is one of those it's like it's hard to pick a favorite cuz all four tracks are amazing. Yeah. And they're all near nearly 10 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> which I love. All right, get these records into your life by heading down to Barshiru to hear how they sound on the hi-fi. Spoiler alert, they sound fantastic. Thank you, Dan, for the hot tips, and thanks to our guest selector, artist Mike Nichols. Be sure to make Umber Magazine a mainstay on your home coffee table. That's it for this edition of Select 5, but if you want to listen to any of the songs we talked about, you can follow our Spotify playlist, which we'll link to on our website, select5podcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at Select 5 or on Twitter at Select 5 Show. I'm your host, Pam Torno. Our producer is Kate Sullivan. Our technical producer is Brian Douglas. Graphic design by Tim Palmer. And as always, we are thankful to Barshiru co-founders Dan Gar and Shireen Raza. If you haven't been to the bar yet, what? are you waiting for? You can find it at 1611 Telegraph Avenue, or you can follow them virtually on Instagram at Barshiru Oakland. Remember folks, never for money, always for love. Stay strong out there.